In today's episode, we chat innovation, inspiration, and imitation in indie hacking. Let's deploy. Hello, and welcome to Push to Prod. I'm your co-host, Cole, and I work on Uselot, a tool to help SaaS companies build revenue through customer success. And I'm your co-host, Dan Miller. I'm building a SaaS for the first time and learning as I go. Each episode, we chat about all sorts of things to do with the world of starting, growing, and operating software businesses. Today, it's the 28th of June, and I have been sitting on a computer for seven hours straight trying to get pre-sale tickets to Taylor Swift concert from my teenage daughter. Unfortunately, wasn't very successful. So I'm pretty stiff and sore today. How about you, Cole? What have you been up to? Uh, well, <laughs> I was considering that. That was was that the Frontier um, yep. ticket yeah, pre-sales? Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. I they're in my email box like yesterday, and I went, I'm not even going to try. So I'm glad <laughs> yeah. I didn't try. So um, yeah, I I've uh, tried to get. Oh God, what was it? It's at least three different concerts. Two of them were country singers that were coming to Australia this year um, and can't remember what the other one was and I just gave up. I cannot ever get pre-sale tickets. Yep. So I don't know if your experience is the same but I, I've, I have gone through that frustration. Oh, Dan. it's frustrating, yeah. Yep. And you know what's even more frustrating? My sister-in-law, she got them. My daughter came home and she goes, Dad, all my friends got them and we're just looking at each other going, oh, we're just today wasn't our lucky day. Sorry, love. <laughs> The only one that was my fault, and I guess this maybe I've been cursed for this, but um, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh yeah, I got in, and I went. Oh, I don't like those tickets. I'll just wait to the next. Like I'll try again. Like I, and I didn't realize. And then that was it. Oh I wow! Should have got the tickets. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, could never get back in on the queue and didn't ever got tickets. So Ugh. don't don't be too. If you're in, buy whatever yeah, you just get. Take it. Oh, well, yeah, it wasn't going to be our time this time. We, there's always Friday. We go into the, the general public sale on Friday. We'll see what happens. Fingers crossed. <laughs> you never know. Um, yeah, no, uh, this week's been good. Um, yeah, and I'm, and I'm sort of getting ready for, well, it's the end of last term, uh, last week of school here, so the girls are all wrapping up and then we've got, uh, I guess, winter break for us. So we're going up, but we're escaping the winter next week for four days up to... Port Douglas Beautiful. and Cairns for a night. So Beautiful. hopefully, you know, it's not going to be boiling hot, but it's not going to be cold. So yeah. looking forward to that. It's a nice part of the world. Yeah, <clears throat> never been there. We were supposed to go up for my wife's 40th, uh, but there was a thing called COVID that got <laughs> in the way. We rescheduled t- twice and just, you know, when you rescheduled the first time and then the second lockdown hit, I was like, uh, yeah, so we just gave up. You get it. Yeah. <clears throat> no, but um, yeah, use lots going, uh, well, I won't say use lot. We're at, I think we'll talked about this the other week but um we're building like this and when i say building we're validating an idea about a small sort of niched product off the side yeah, you did mention that sort of maybe not the side but pre-use lot so if a company that isn't using a tool like use a lot or if they're using one of our competitors mm. they probably still could use this other tool which yeah, is nice. a sort of sits between sales and customer success yep. and, and that type of thing um so yeah we've mocked that up this week um you want to say mocked it up, it's like a working front-end React mock-up that Linda's mm. built. Um, and when I say it's it's not done by any means, it's just something we can show people. Yeah. Um, and, I, yeah, we've had one call. I've got another call in the morning at 5.30. So I'll have a few chats with some people, get some more ideas, and hopefully within the next week or so get a bit of a feel for how much effort we want to throw at it. What's yeah. the goal for it? Is the goal for it to be, you know, obviously providing value in the product itself, but it's more of an engineering as marketing approach, maybe a lead generator or? 
Yeah, I think so. This is funny. Yes, yes, totally. Engineering is marketing long term. The ideal would be that people would use that and move into user life. Yeah. However, I have said nice. this to the guys. I went, you know what? Let's be honest though. If this, if people were paying whatever, I don't know what, I don't even know the price, but say $20 a month, $30 a month, that low, but you could sell, if you found you could sell to people who had our competitors, people who had nothing, people who were startups, you might turn out selling, I don't know, a thousand of these, mm. you know, in six months. It's like, to me, that's a business. Let, just let's not worry about, you know, the end game as such. Let's just focus on validating this, get it out. If it turns out to be a profitable, not even profitable, but if it turns out to be a a product that people would buy, hmm. I think then we reevaluate. Like how much effort do we do to build this out into a full thing or do we want to really start pushing them to the bigger tool? Yeah. You know, that's – I'd rather make those decisions when we actually see how many people would even yep. consider it, I guess. It's yeah. a pretty good idea actually. You'll end up probably with a bit of an ecosystem or within the same world of customer success by the sounds of it. That's not a bad strategy. Yeah, and look, we're – you know, I've – talking more and more about this idea that customer success shouldn't be a department. And so at the end of the day, you might end up with lots of tools that serve mm. different purposes for different departments. Because mm. um, there's a, there's, you know, there's other holes here. Like, you know, even the feedback loop from CS to product is, I think, pretty shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like in terms of if you talk to a lot of people, they're like, you know, how do I, how do I get the engineering team to do what I need? And I've got all these clients who've got problems and they're building something else that's unrelated. Like there is still problems in how we build software. Um, and you know, Matt Wensing, Wensing is it from, um, oh, yeah. Summit? Yeah. He had the best tweet, uh, that I, that was last week. I think I was chatting back, well, not chatting, but replying to his tweets. He, he basically said, um, and I, I didn't bring this up, so I'm not, I'm not quoting it. This is paraphrasing. He said something like, um, he's got, he hopes that he'll never have a customer success department at, at um, Summit. He said, yeah, he, customers, he said, why have we got a term? for customer success that everyone in the business should be doing anyway. Um, and he said, and if we do have a department, they better have ungodly powers. You oh, sorry, have, godly that, that powers. Would just, that would have just hit the mark for you, I reckon. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I just went, totally, I said, this guy gets it. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been saying that a fair bit actually and, and I reckon that would have just made you just go, yep, cha-ching, perfect. That's exactly yeah. what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's this... I don't know if there's a movement out there, man, and I don't know, like hopefully we're on the front end of it, but who knows. Yep. <laughs> cool. What have you been doing with your... Uh... Yeah, been having a bit of fun. Um, been starting to build up a bit of the settings area. In other words, my main functions, what I'm happy with at the moment, are essentially done. So I'm just finishing up the little things in the background so that the users that are going to be using it and playing with it can actually just update their own settings, make check where things are, and obviously... One of the things I've got to start building at some point is a payment gateway or a payment integration. And I've never built one of those before. So that's where I thought I'd start. Let's get the settings area set up, get the framework for that. There'll be a billing area in that, of course, you know, things like that. And as a result, I've been just doing a bit of reading up on how to start using Stripe. Um, yeah, it's been it's been fun. Uh, been overwhelming at times. I, I popped out a tweet the other day going, Mate, I've just been bamboozled by the amount of documentation that Stripe has and all the different things, the items in their world. And I was going, where do I start? You know what? I I, I was going to answer that, and I'm, but I didn't because I thought I might be wrong too because I haven't used it for a while. But I feel like Stripe's gone through some generational stuff. And so if you look at everything they've got, you go, oh, which one do I use? But then the answer is like, you know, only look at the stuff they released in the last couple of years because there was older stuff that's still hanging around. Yeah. 
like it feels like I remember when I was looking for, you know, for social pinpoint and then later on a, a later generation of social pinpoint and I kept looking back and, oh, they do have this now but it's called something else. Yeah. You know, like it was like, it, it, yeah, it just got Oh, mate, there's like confusing. 30 options to choose from in the docs alone. I was going, all right, so which one do you would, would you like me to start reading? <laughs> See if you can sort by date. No, I don't know. I don't know if that's true so I might be totally sending you off the wrong. It's okay. <laughs> like I got my head around it so I'm, I'm in there now. I'm reading. It's making sense. Like It's like anything. The, the first few times you go through it, you just go, what what is this? The second or third time you're going, okay, it's familiar. It's making sense. I get I get what you're talking about now. So fine. Yeah, so I'm having a bit of fun with that. Where do you see the price point and do you see your client, if, if this was a product and it ended up being valuable, would people be paying a monthly or annual fee generally? Do you Have you got a feeling Yeah, I've been thinking that? monthly and I've been trying to look for stuff that's in that space. Haven't really found much at the moment, um, which is interesting. Maybe that's a bit worrying or not. <laughs> um, we'll find out. Um, I'm just, you know, I'll probably start something that doesn't scream high value because that means I'm on the hook to actually really deliver. Yeah. Um, Some of these tools, especially when you're selling B2B like that, like my preference is always try sell annual and then I would, wouldn't even bother with the payment integration initially because I'm like, uh-huh. well, it's easy just to send someone an invoice yeah. <laughs> and just do it through zero. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then you're not having to do all this crap. Um, but if you're going monthly, yeah, no, no way. Yeah. Get a credit card. Yeah. Cool. Th- but at the same time, I want to be sort of uh, exercising my abilities, my skills here and actually just get across a quite a broad range of things that are going to be needed in a SaaS because I don't suspect this will be the first one I'm building. <laughs> I reckon I'll be building quite a few. So the more I'm across, you know, the various nuances of how to integrate these sort of things, the more second nature it'll be to me when I want to spin up the next one and the next one and the next one. Yeah. Have you pulled down any of those starter frameworks that already have those integrations and have this is a bit of a segue, snuck a bit of a, a look at what they're doing and copy them? Or? There are some good ones actually. Yeah, there's there's one that I've been looking in the background, Super Starter. Um, obviously in the Laravel space, if you're in the PHP world. Um, um, what else? There's there's Jumpstart Pro for Rails, but I know that um, Sales, I think it's called, well, that might be more of a framework for Node. You're in Node, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, there definitely was. Yeah, there's definitely. I just can't remember. Um, what's another one? Um, oh, it's anyway. It it'll come used to, to be me later. But Blitz, the, but there was one called Blitz, but I think that went away for something else, and people are going to be yelling at us, going, oh, "It's this," but um, <laughs> yeah, shows that I don't do Node. Um, cool. Yeah. Anyway, that'd be good. But the copying thing's interesting because it probably sneaks onto our topic for the day do you think is that a good segue that is a very good segue well look at you go so i want to give it i'll start out with a shout out actually because we you know we like to put our shout outs out to um well sorry our calls to action for the listeners out there to send us questions and topics and uh one of our um good mates on twitter morton stensland sent three i think he sort of sent three messages to us with different topics to to discuss. I thought two of them, they ended up being, two of them ended up being so related that, and I said to him, hey, that's really cool and I'd like to have a chat about it. Um, and so it's basically, I'll read out, this is paraphrasing what he wrote, but it was around, one of them was around public versus stealth in the built in public space. Like how much, like when do you know what to share and, and what you should hide? And that, <clears throat> and he was talking about, you know, perhaps the indie hacking community needs a code of conduct um, because, of, you know, the ethics of effectively like, um, are we all out just to make money or do we have another sort of agenda out there? And then it led into this idea of um, that he's, at least he's, he saw, and obviously, you know, everyone's seen it, there's this tendency to 
copy other things that are out there, tools. Obviously, a lot of indie hackers are trying to mm. look at something and build a version of it and things like that. So I guess what I want to do is wrap them up and talk about the overall, you know, copy versus clone or, you know, the ethics of copying mm. um, and and how how you go about, I guess, navigating that complexity as a indie hacker or even as a software developer in a company. Like what are the things you need to think about not so much, you know, I definitely sit on the fence of one side here, but, mm. you know, I'm totally open to discussing this. Yeah. I think this is a great topic. Thank, like, thanks for sending this in, Morton. I think this is an excellent topic. And, and as Cole just pointed out, it, it is something that it does go around our scene quite a lot and something we should really be talking about. So, yeah, let's get into it. Do we want to sort of put a disclaimer out first before we get started, though? Probably. <laughs> We're not lawyers, hey? Um, so what we're providing here definitely is not legal advice. It's not, it's not financial advice. It's not product advice. Just, it's just two blokes having a chat. So don't take us for, for verbatim. And I'd also say, yeah, so just not lawyers and also whatever we say, it's our own opinion. Correct. (laughs) I'll probably disagree with heaps of things other people think. Um, it doesn't mean I'm wrong or you're right or we're right or whatever. Actually, before we get into it, that's a good point, Cole. Look, Look, if anything we say here actually sort of raises a, uh, an opinion with you or if, you, if you've got something where you're hearing something we're saying which you think mm, not so sure about that by all means join in the conversation it doesn't have to end after this podcast is finished so yeah well let's get into it though hey you sort of wrote a little bit of a preface around yeah you know, i like what you wrote here actually so i wouldn't just mind my notes. kick off yeah, sort cool. of, yeah just that introduction bit but then we can go into um some of the, my thoughts as well well i thought it's i started it a little bit more broad and rather than jumping straight into the topic of you know um copying and things like that in the SaaS world and um, building in public and building in stealth. I just took it even one step further and just thought in the big picture of the world as such, what are we talking about here? And if you think about it, across all domains in humanity, the world we live in, basically every experience we've had is surrounded by and everything we're surrounded by is effectively a layer upon layer upon layer of innovation from the past, right? We, you could look at the art world, uh, you could look at agriculture, you could look at engineering, science, medicine, business, etc. Like very few ideas are truly unique. In fact, without the things that go before us, the society as a, as as a whole just wouldn't really evolve, and it wouldn't grow that much. Things would just be stagnant all the time. So, we actually do have a layer of innovation and 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 growth upon the previous generation that goes before us. It's just natural, I think. It's almost like that's the definition of innovation: is building on whatever. Like you know, what's that? Thing, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants, like uh, yeah, yeah. it feels like um, things wouldn't get very far. And you could even go right back into bio, like you know, biology and evolution. Like you, things wouldn't get very far if everything had to start from scratch all the time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it just wouldn't get anywhere. So maybe there's something more biological to us as why we go about the way <laughs> we do things. I don't know. Again, I'm not even a biologist, so um, but it, it does get you thinking about that. Yeah, and on the flip side of that. Um, we do need to be a bit mindful of it as well. And uh, that's the concept of referencing. Now, um, I come from a background where I actually have done a bit of work in the university sector and in academia. And referencing is, you know, that's the that's the standard. Everything needs to be referenced. The education system, especially in the tertiary world, uh, institutions teach us that anytime you build upon the work of others, you must reference. In other words, you must acknowledge that it's someone else's work and that that led you to what your thinking is now. It's important, you know, that way that there's truth and honesty and knowledge and that any new findings are verifiable, right? In business, it's a bit different, but we have a similar system that exists. It's namely copyright, 
patents and trademarks. You know, where it does get a bit murky though in the business world is that not all incursions on copyright, patents and trademarks are followed up on and not all work can be actually given copyright or patented or trademarked, right? So, Yeah, and I think the other key in business too, and I think that goes, if you're looking at something like copyright, patents, trademarks, um, at least from my experience, I'll probably get into this a little bit, it feels like uh, a lot of those copyright laws hinge around this idea that things have to be independently created. That's almost like that's almost like a term I've seen in, again, not a lawyer, um, but at least in software, which we'll get into because I think somewhere you were talking about how software can be so easily copied. Yeah. Um, if you haven't actually, phys- you know, if you actually literally haven't copied the syntax and the code and actually taken assets off someone's website, you pretty much can demonstrate that you have independently created this thing. And so... It does feel like it's more of an ethical thing than a legal thing when we start talking, at least in SaaS and software, that, you know, you know, there's no leg to stand on legally to someone to go, hey, you copied me because it's like, well, I didn't. I, you know, looked at what your website did. It looks a little bit like this and it does this. So I built all that my, myself. It does the same thing, but it, I did it. Um, and so, yeah, there's no sort of legal thing to stand on, but there is potentially, I guess, the idea of, well, should you do that or not, is, I guess it's the question. So I break it into three parts, really, when you think about it, when you're building stuff. You, you've got the world of innovation, then you've got the world of inspiration, and then you've got the murky world of imitation, all right? So quickly run through those three. Innovation, that's pretty rare these days, but that's true uniqueness. That's when you've got brand new ideas, breakthroughs, things that actually, you know, no one ever, ever actually thought about before, and you're the first person ever to come up with it like I said, pretty rare. Then there's the inspiration. Like that's when something already exists and it inspires someone else to go out and create something similar. Um, but with its own unique additions and, you know, some way. And then that's the nasty one that we're talking about. It's the imitation. Well, it can be nasty. Maybe it can't be sometimes depending on how you look at it, but that becomes pretty clear when something is being imitated or imitation is actually happening. That's when you get, you know, details, imagery, words, that just blindly copy pasted like for like without any attempt whatsoever to put a unique spin on it and without any acknowledgement at all. That's effectively copying, right? Um, I've got a recent example of that that happened today. Um, if you go and look at Adam Wathen, he's the person who created Tailwind CSS and you go and have a look at his Twitter feed. As of today, he just mentioned um, a they've, they've been blindly copy pasted um, quite a lot from one another organization and they're just not even hiding it. They literally are copying word for word verbatim, just copy pasting from the Tailwind CSS stuff and putting it straight on their own site and saying, there we go, that's ours. So that's when it starts getting a little bit murky. And, and like you said, Cole, um, ethics and morals do come into play in those scenarios. Because even legally, um, like, so I'll, I'll segue before we get into that because we will get into the B2B stuff, mm, uh, mm. which... I'll, I'll I'll segue into like the social pinpoint creation because I would say it sits somewhere between your inspiration and imitation thing in the sense that um, it came about because ultimately we were asked, you know, we, we put a tender in. So basically a client said we want this <laughs> and effectively showed us, you know, a competitor's version of a product Um in their head, we were just going to go build it. In our head, it was like, well, we'll use it as inspiration and build the features that you need out of that, but we're going to build it as a SaaS product. So we did that. 
it just happened that that product, when I say it was a product, it was a product built by a consulting company. So it was on the web, but I wouldn't say they were a SaaS company. They were, it, was, they were, it was a tool that they used to um, sell their services basically. So it was sort of like engineering is marketing for them, but for their services. Um, but because they'd built it, it was probably done as some, you know, like um, someone's hobby inside this massive organization and so they'd use a lot of open source stuff you know in, ter- in terms of icons even back then dropping pins on a map there was a entire um it was a it was a png library of all different types of colored markers that you could just like hit the url up url up and get a yellow marker with a certain icon like because this is yeah. pre-svg stuff and all that um so but that's an open source product so we just used the exact same one they were using because why wouldn't it like that's the client wanted the icons to look like that, yep, so yep. we made them look like that. Anyway, so about three sales, obviously Social Pinpoint t- took off in the sense that we sold three or four subscriptions, started to go good, and then bang, we got hit with a cease and desist by that company. Um, and that was the first time I've been exposed to this sort of stuff because in my head I was like, I've I've literally written every piece of code except for the open source libraries. I haven't done anything wrong here. Um, I looked it up, talked to a – I had a – my older brother's friend was a lawyer, so we had a quick chat and, yeah, and he confirmed what my suspicions were, which was, hey, <laughs> cease and desist are not legally. They're just things you send out effectively to say, hey, stop doing what you're doing. Um, their demand's ridiculous. It was like you have to pay us all the money back. You have to do all this sort of stuff. Like every, every sale you've made so far, you need to now give all that money to us. And anyway, it was all this sort of stuff. We told him to go away politely in a one-page response back just like, Pointing out, no, that's an open source library, that's this, that's the other. Um, and, yeah, like, look, you know, they disappeared, never heard from again. Um, I think I've mentioned this before that they actually started to buy our software down the track like eight years later. Yeah. So that's funny. So that, their product's gone effectively. Um, but it does raise that point. Like I always had that ethical thing of, well, yeah, we did. We definitely took a piece of software that was out there and went, it's got features X, Y, Z, A, B, C. This client wants features X, Y, Z, A, B, C, whatever. Um, and we use it as heavy inspiration and in some sense a lot of imitation in terms of, you know, the workflow and how you do certain things and build a successful company and ended up exiting from it. And so how does that, how am I supposed to feel? Like in my boat, I'm like, I'm a big believer that, again, ideas are not, it's very rare that you get a new idea. You know, you're building on something and then it comes down to, well, you should execute on it better than someone else did, you know, and that's effectively what we ended up doing. Um, obviously we did, we had a brand and all that, that's just totally different to them. So there was massive differences um, in terms of branding and what we were actually trying to do. They were trying to sell services. We were trying to sell $5,000 subscriptions. So I think what happened is, and one of the things I learned about this was it's not copying it gets into the bad area when someone can be confused between your product and someone else's. Yeah. That's where I that's where I draw the line because that's obviously what you're trying to do. You're trying to deceive people. Yeah, that's 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 why I agree. I agree with what you're saying there. Yeah, and no one could no we were never in that. We never got yeah. to that point. I was never going to have our branding the same. We weren't trying to be them at all. And yep. so that's why I feel good about what we did. Um other people might disagree, but that's sort of where my line is. It's like I'm as long as I know that I'm not out to deceive someone. <laughs> um yep. and we're doing that with Uselot. There's a lot of software features we're building there that are just like everyone else's. Yeah. I'm not trying to make us look like one of the others because I don't 
that's where you get into problems. Yeah. I think if you put it into an analogy, it's like uh, you hear about, say, there's this really, really famous um, and well-known, I don't know, outlet coffee shop down the road, right? And everyone wants to go there because it's got amazing coffee. It's got amazing and – and everyone's lining up for it. And then some nasty person would come along and set up a sign – um, which is pretty much looking like it has the exact same branding, the exact same color, the exact same name, but with an arrow pointing in another direction. And they set up across the, around the corner. And so they're trying to steal all the customers just by purporting to be that coffee shop. That's pretty deceitful. And like, if you think about that in the software world, if you're just copying and blindly pasting everything, the branding, the color, the look and feel, even the, even the domain name to, down to a, maybe a spelling mistake, that's when you're starting to be quite deceitful and that's pretty nasty sort of stuff. I mean, you know, why? Why would you do that? And people do it basically for financial gain, right? So it's pretty, it's not a nice nice feeling to probably be on the other end of that. It's a tough thing and like you've seen, you know, we've seen tweets out there where someone's even advertised that, hey, see this product, I'm going to. I'm going to try build that. I'm I'm going to copy that and launch it and see if I can get it out. And it it starts. I don't know. I, I look at that on one hand and go, yeah. Well, if you can execute on it better than them, go for it. Like mm. smash it out. Mm. But if you start really, like if you're taking all the good bits that they've thought of in terms of, you know, maybe they've got a cool calculator on the site, like marketing as engineering approach. Maybe they've done something. If you just copy all that, mm. then that you you're really going into that grey area. Yeah. But then on the flip side, right? Like you said. Not um, not every single idea is owned by one person. I mean, you can copyright things, you can trademark things, you can try and patent things, and surely if you've invented something and it was truly innovative and you've patented it, then you have the right to own that patent and to be, um, you know, remunerated for it. But if it's really just general ideas and general things that are already out in the world, well, you're just basically another player, aren't you? Um, and you're trying to have a go. So if you're putting your own spin on it and you're having a, a decent, honest go at um, building something, well, that's that's fair game, right? That's business. Yeah, it is. And I think that's the other part about execution versus ideas. And I think even Rob was talking a little bit about this, Rob Walling, about just moats in general, you know, the term like a castle moat. Um, anyone can have the idea. But if you're – and this is especially prevalent right now with all this AI stuff. Like if your moat is literally just – you can get it out. I can code this in a weekend and smash it out. I'm first. I'm the first person to do it. That's not a moat because no. anyone else can do it on the next weekend and smash it out. That's <laughs> right. So, it's if if you think someone if someone does look at someone else's product and go, hey, I'm going to go and do that and build it, and they actually do because it takes them whatever a month or whatever. You've got to sort of wonder, well, what competitive advantage did that other company have anyway? If someone else can build it in a month, you yeah. Know? Um, and it's hard truth to face sometimes. You just got to go, yeah, well, my idea, I've got an idea. It's pretty easy, um, to build. So maybe that, yeah, it, there's nothing protecting it, you know? Um, if your, your idea is good and like you said, like sort of with patents and stuff, if it's something that is unique and it's something that's your skill set, like no one else can just go out and reply. Someone else with software skills can't come and just do, mm. and there's your moat. So then yeah, don't worry about the copying just get out there and keep building the product you know it's interesting isn't it like software in in it is inherently copyable um you can like for things for things on a software system it's so easy just to think about like designs can be copied images colors look and feel words it, it literally can be copy and paste that's how it works source that's how software works it is source code that you can literally highlight with a cursor 
press control C, take it over to another area, press control V. That's how it works. Going back to what Nathan said last week, like, you know, if you're doing this and you're a startup and you're bootstrap, you, you probably want to be using all the main design patterns and UX layouts. So not only is your stuff not unique, it probably looks a lot like everybody else's because they're using Tailwind, the menus are in the same spot, blah, blah, blah. Like if you're building a CRM, it probably looks like nearly every other CRM that's out there. Yeah. Um, so it is a tough thing to almost not copy something. Like it's quite, you know, it can be quite... I don't know, maybe there's a detriment sometimes to trying to be too different when it's like, hey, it's the software, the features aren't what make your product. You know, this is what as software people and tech people are always like, oh, my feature's best, I've got this, I've got this integration or the AI or whatever. It's like that. what makes your business valuable is that you can identify with the client's problem and solve it for them. And that a lot of times that's not your product. It's how you deliver your service, how you talk to them on the phone, how you make the – like they can pay on their credit card versus not. How you make them feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that stuff is a lot harder to because you can't clone a human yet. Um, at least, well, we don't know what AI is doing, but hopefully it's not totally replacing everyone. So you are your, you know, you are the non-copyable part of your business. So like make that count. You yeah, know I mean? that's it. I, I, one of the things I'm sort of thinking back about at the moment as well is that concept of inspiration that I said earlier. And to some degree, inspiration happens all the time in B2B SaaS you think about it, like there's a problem out there and that problem becomes known. People start building software and solutions around that problem. Um, then market entrants start joining in. They sort of go, oh yeah, oh, we, we know that people are starting to solve that problem now and it's, 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 a, it's a going concern. For example, you get CRM solutions, that's really common. Email marketing platforms, that started out years and years ago, but now they're a dime a dozen. Um, project management tools, communication tools, HR tools, accounting tools, et cetera. So most of those solutions in each category, they're more or, or, or less roughly similar to each other. And that's what you were saying before. And mm -hmm. so that's that's a form of inspiration that's happening there and, and it borders on imitation. But um, really everyone's just sort of piling in at the same time into a space and saying, there's something here. I reckon I can help that. Um, yeah, it does happen. I think it's quite, I know we sort of mentioned, you know, everyone's out for financial gain, but I mean, look, I think there's an ethics to, and this is a totally different topic, but I won't go down too far, but there's an ethic I think that you owe to your, unless you're single and 20 and not doing, got no responsibility. I think if you're like the rest of us who actually have responsibility, whether or not it's even just a girlfriend or it's a family or whatever, um, you have a moral and ethical obligation to, do as much as you can to provide for that for them. Do you know what I mean? I agree, um, yeah. Seeing a big market, one of the valid things is taking a slice of that pie. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mm. You know what I mean? As long as it's done, you know, like I said, if you're ripping people off deliberately to confuse them, then yeah. that's a different thing. But otherwise, it's business, man. That's fair game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I, I look at it slightly different in the sense that um, I'll choose him my fair gamer. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, oh yeah i will i will quite gladly go up against a goliath you know because i'm 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 a flea compared to yeah. some of these major organizations and i will fight tooth and nail and have a go and try and steal some of their market yeah no worries yeah. but what i won't do i probably won't um go up against my fellow indie, indie hackers hack. i probably won't go up against my fellow SaaS builders i think to myself you know what i actually like hanging around this community <laughs> and I yeah, like yeah. engaging with this community. Um, and so if I ever find myself in a situation where 
um, I definitely, um, and you know, treading, treading over that, that fine line of imitation, I'll probably draw back a bit and say, yeah, no, 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 don't go there. And that's, that's mm. where I'll sort of get involved. Um, Is that like the, the legality of it's okay to like copy a DVD from DreamWorks, <laughs> but not copy. I, like, yeah, like it's, it's it's an interesting. I'm probably nothing more than a um, you know, like a, a noise, an annoying noise in the background to some multi-billion-dollar multinational organization. They wouldn't even know who I am. So, <laughs> I don't know. To me, yes, the ethics of you don't want to hurt them, but also the safer thing with the Goliath is you know the market's validated and that's and true. Like I said, you can take a slither of it without knowing that you're not. Yeah, you're not causing too much yeah. disruption in the pools. You're throwing a rock into a big pond. Yeah, that's than, right. Yeah, yeah. but uh, no, nah, it's interesting. So yeah, one of the questions I was also thinking as we came into this topic when Morton sent it in is, you know, what should you do as a SaaS builder if this happens to you? Um, you know, what, what what can you do? Can it be prevented? You know, what action can you take? Um, and before I got into that, I looked up a quote and it reminded me, you know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery mediocrity can pay to greatness and that was by oscar wilde and that's the sort of thinking that like if someone actually is imitating you well maybe you probably think to yourself you're actually up there aren't you (laughs) there's a reason why you're being imitated isn't it so yeah i think that's one of my notes that i wrote at the top um i i think you've got to be careful like so i like i do it everyone does it so i'm not pointing fingers here but like playing the victim is a it can be a very subtle thing like we like when we met you uh, the other day, Dan in person. Charles and I were talking about how our competitors seemed like they were choosing, like listening into us. You know, like we were having. I don't know oh, if you yeah, remember us talking yeah. about that. We were going, oh, we were going to do something, and then we looked on their site and they did it. And like it's fun to, but you know, Charles and I are not really. We don't care. We're not blaming them at all. We know they don't even know who we are. But you tend to gravitate to those type of discussions. You human. That's what you do. The reality is. Um, you know, if you do that, if you actually think someone's out to get you or trying to copy you, you're, you're literally giving control to that other person. That's a good point. That's playing victim. Yep. And it's just like you might as well just forget it. Don't look at what other people do. If they are, if anything, look at how can I make a positive out of that. And one of them, for example, one thing that we used to love to do is always be friends with your competitors, mm, you know. Yeah. So like even if you see someone starting to do something similar to you, work out a good way that you can actually reach out to them. Obviously you don't want to give all your secrets to them, but the best thing about having competitors is they help educate the market. Um, most of the time, like we talked about the other week, most of the time your competitor, your your clients aren't even using your competitors either. They're not doing anything, you know. Yep. So most of the time it's not even a problem. Yep. So I'd just be very – I would – I would. the last thing I'd be thinking about is someone's out to get you or trying to copy you or whatever because I just think it's such a waste of your own mental energy yeah. to worry about it. So that's just like a, I don't know, a warning that I put out. It's very true. It's, it's, it's so true. You know what? Years ago I – one of the first jobs I had when I was fresh in university was selling fruit, right, in the markets – and it was such an awesome way to learn how to engage with people and do sales. But I wasn't the only person standing there in the corner selling apples and oranges and peaches and nectarines. There was people everywhere selling fruit. And we knew that we were trying to compete with everyone walking past and we knew we were trying to compete with each other. Um, but we were still jovial with each other. We still enjoyed the situation. And by doing that, what happened is all the customers that were walking past, they thought, oh, look at all these people having a good time with each other. 
yeah, this is a nice place. I like it here. I like coming to this market and more and more people would come and then they'd be happy to come and talk to you. Now, if you translate that late into any sort of business, if you can get on with your competitors, you're basically going to be helping each other out. You're going to be building the market up. You're going to be building the awareness around that market segment up, aren't you? And people are going to be thinking to themselves, yeah, you know, I know there's some good players in there and I can look at A and I can look at B. And, you know, they're, they're all going to be trying to make the, that, that market segment better with each other. So, yeah, you're right. Treat your buyer, treat your client as a buyer, not as someone to sell to. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so I think that's that's a big thing. And the other thing, I'll get this wrong and I always get it wrong, but I call it this anyway. Have you heard of the Barnum? Do you know the Barnum effect? No, I haven't heard that yet. Okay, so the Barnum effect, and again, I'm people who know this will tell me I'm wrong with this in terms of the exact definition, but effectively the Barnum effect relates generally to your bias to interpret things how you basically want to see it. So, you know, the classic examples that they've studied over and over is horoscopes where they give they give the entire like class out the same horoscope but don't tell them that and then they all rate it as yes, this is very applicable. And this this study's been done over and over and over again. It's, and I like to describe it as this idea that humans just you remember the hits, you forget the misses. It mm-hmm. always happens. And so like and why why I bring this up is because when you think someone's done something like, oh, look, you know, like for example, oh, look, they're using the same brand. We just changed our brand colours and our competitors now have changed something to something very similar, right? So that's because it's hitting you psychologically, mm. that's what you think's happened. Yeah. In reality, what's probably happened is both – you guys are in the same market. So well, here's one explanation. Your competitors are on the same market as you. You're looking at the same stuff. You're looking at the same influences. So this entire paradigm and the design stuff that's flowing through every day – everyone's looking at the same thing and so you've come up with the same yeah but the no same one's time. copying anyone you just but you don't remember that you yeah. don't remember all the things you looked at point that shit in the back of your mind that's crap that's crap oh that looks cool mm. well they're doing the same thing you know and so um yeah there's no it, and it, it happens everywhere like you yeah. only ever remember the things that you think like cuz it hits you you just forget about it so like driving along you see, I've said this before, you see uh, your initials on a number plate but you don't see everyone else's, you know, it's like because your brain only picks up those one little things. And it's the same thing I think with, you know, copying and all that sort of stuff. You're going to look at the things that they, you think they've copied and then you'll also forget all the things that they haven't, you know. Um, That's nice. So, yeah, just something to think about. It's technically not called the Barnum effect but I always call it that. But Okay, cool. You, you get the idea. Get the idea, yeah. So that's that's you as the recipient of potentially being copied. Um, and if you flip that on the other side, if you're thinking that you might be treading into that world of potentially copying someone else, um, there's probably a few things you could do there as well. Um, this is what, you know, it's always drilled into the back of my mind from my years in academia. Um, and it's just acknowledge others where relevant. Like if you've done something and, for example, you're building a SaaS and you grab an icon, maybe you go online and you grab an icon and... Don't just take it. See if you can buy it. See if you can actually license it off the person who created it. Um, or if it's not for sale, um, just you know, make sure it's re- referenced somewhere in your, in your acknowledgement notes. Um, that, that's one way you can do it. Uh, if there's a situation unfolding where you're going to be sort of taking a really good, decent chunk of someone's logic and putting it in your product, maybe you want to reach out to them and you want to have a conversation and say, hey, do you want to do a partnership here? We may be able to do a bit of a compensation sharing situation where we'll give you a small percentage of the sales around this particular thing that we're working on. That might work as well. Yep. But I've had def- definite um, 
exposure to that but didn't actually go through with it because we there was a back in social pinpoint days there was a product uh, it was actually not an online product it was a physical thing that used to do in town hall meetings and this person built these I can't remember what they were called, but they're like these ways to physically vote on things. And I thought, man, that would be cool if I turned it into an online thing. But the best way to do it would be to pretty much rip him off (laughs) because it was like, it's such a cool idea. So I ended up talking to him and we went through a few things and then COVID hit, so we didn't end up doing it. But that's where we were hoping potentially that's where it would go, where it's like he could still own, he would own the thing in terms of the the idea and the name and all that, but we would digitise it. Um, Because, yeah, you just feel like it an ass if you just tried to steal yeah exactly. <laughs> like that would be total like stealing you know and that's the thing you got to be careful when you're building anything like the question of inspiration versus imitation comes up you just got to ask yourself is someone going to be impacted by your actions here and your decisions and if so that's when your ethics and morals need to kick in you need to actually make a judgment call yourself about what's the right thing to do <laughs> you can st- you can also steer clear from a lot of it by making use of you know, the, obviously the open source stuff that's out there and things yep. like that. So hopefully it doesn't affect all of us all the time. Yeah. Um, did I have any other thoughts? I've sort of peppered mine in to yours because I thought you always structure yours so, so well. Um, no, I think we covered most of the stuff that I wrote down too. So like, I mean, overall as a summary though, like where, do, I mean, where do you sit in your, like, because you're taking in for your SaaS, are you sitting more on the inspiration side then? Because you're obviously, you just said you haven't found It's definitely a bit of inspiration. It could be blind inspiration here. Who knows? We'll find out, won't we? Uh, no, this has definitely come from something that's happened in our own business where I've just said to myself, this isn't working. These products that we're using yeah. here, they're not working for us. So actually, I am getting a bit of inspiration from them, but I'm trying to innovate as well, um, come up with something that works. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. That sounds really good, man. That's that sounds like we've always fall. I've always fallen into that. Yeah, inspiration to imitation in yeah, those yeah. in those two, I guess. Um, hopefully, that in a in a good good way. But I mean, time time will tell. I That's guess. It. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Now, well, I hope we um, covered it. I know it's a bit can be a sensitive topic, and hopefully, the people who are stuck on the wrong end of it um, aren't you know suffered too too much you know i agree we've got to give acknowledgement there like if people are actually on the the, the tail that the receiving end of that imitation it doesn't feel good so um we're sorry you're going through that um yeah yeah i just say like go back to my i mean hopefully my i made the point earlier about like just think you know like there's more to your business and your product than the actual product mm, you know yeah. like so try and and think of those things because you can't you can't replace people you know yep. like in the services you give and stuff like that so yeah, good call. yeah just think of it from that point of view i think because that's how you um yeah i think that can give you the, the motivation to you know to keep smashing away and, and make more improvements because at the end of the day like i think someone who just continually copies they're not going to get too far in the end at some point you have to as we're finding with use a lot too you, you got to differentiate somewhere it just mm. doesn't it doesn't work yeah so yeah what we didn't cover too much today which we might get onto another time is you know that world of building public and some of the risks involved in it. So maybe that's something we can talk about. Yeah, technically I joined them together, but you're right. Slightly a different topic, especially the types of things you could add. Like we've had those discussions before about how much MRI you share and all that. Yeah. But all right. Awesome, man. Okay. Well, we've got another one out and hopefully people enjoyed that. I'd love to hear where people sit on that or if they've had particular experiences either way. I'm like, I've sort of shared how, where we are, uh, what, what I've had. So it'd be interesting to see how, how others have, gone through this yeah uh, but otherwise yeah like um thanks for 
thanks for that, Morton. Um, if you've got any other, if anyone else has any other topics, we'll always love to get them in our inbox. You can uh, tweet, tweet us straight at push to pod prod. Push to prod pod. Yeah, I got it right. <laughs> <laughs> or email the show at push to prod pod at gmail. Um, and obviously give us a five-star rating on your podcast uh, podcast listening tool of choice. Yeah, they definitely help. Please do. We do. We have got a few. We're, we're getting some. I don't track them all the time, but I have seen a couple of ratings, which has been good. Nice. And yeah, we've got a few um, people interacting with the, with it on Twitter there via the account. So thanks to everyone who's been, you know, getting in touch with us or put, making a comment call out for us. We we really appreciate it, and I hope we're giving you a bit of value here, and we'll keep it doing. Totally, mate. Uh, yeah. Well, you can catch me on um, at Gummo at Twitter on Twitter, and Dan is at Mr. Dan Miller. So until next time, Dan, I'll uh, have a good week. Yeah, you too, Cole. Thanks, mate. It's been a good chat. Cheers, mate. See ya.